Hey everybody, it's eight o'clock and you're at the kitchen table talk from Fireground Training. Wow, I bet it would sound better if my mic was over here, huh? Hey everybody, <laughs> technical difficulties already right off the bat. What's up? How's everybody tonight? Good, how are you? Surviving. Oh, thanks guys, surviving, nice. So tonight was kind of a uh, an open forum idea originally kind of going back to the beginning of what we used to do only because I feel like we keep coming up with these ideas and uh, I feel like, you know, it's your turn to start us conversation. I was going to pick on Mike first, but Mike had the conversation last time. So um, great conversation lasted like two old calls, but who's got something on their mind? You're welcome. Let's open the <laughs> Let's open this whole thing up. Caller something had to have had something this week. What'd you say? Caller on line one. <laughs> hey, Bear. Long time listener, first time caller. How Hi, are Dan you? Turner. I'm doing Hi. great. How are you? I'm great. I have a personal opinion that the Hellingham Bar is the best um, tool the fire department has ever made. Uh, everyone loves it. Um, is there a tool? It is the only tool you could use for an entire call. What would it be and why? Ooh. And I it, I can't answer the Halligan? You can. You, okay. you can. I but love like, my Halligan. No run after the rig, swapping. It doesn't matter what you show up on, in an engine truck, tanker, ambulance, don't care. Um, you got one tool. Let's do quick pull. Quick pull okay. with everybody. So, uh, Mike Green, what's your tool? What are we doing? That's a better question. Uh, anything. It's your, it's anything. your go-to. Your tool that you grab, knowing that you could do most 99% of things with it on the fire ground. Can we pick Barrett as that tool? Ah, that didn't take very long. <laughs> I'm kind of flattered, though, because if uh, if if you're looking to get stuff done and then you're calling me, first of all, you're sorely mistaken. Second of all, uh, still flattered. Mike, you want a second to think about it? Let's go to Tyler. Tyler, what's yours? I'd probably have to go with the Halligan. See, you shouldn't you shouldn't have fed us that line, Turner. But, but right. you get it. Uh, we'll come back, Chad. Besides uh, your helmet, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Uh, pro bar, uh, Halligan. I think pro bar. <laughs> see, what, see what you did, Turner. Everybody agrees with us. I'm like, it, I would say second up would be the pig tool. Ooh, okay. We'll come back to the pig tool in a second, Kevin. Besides me, I'd have to go with a Halligan or a flathead axe. Ooh, okay. So we got pig and flathead to mix it up. Jason? My hands. Ooh. <laughs> no, I got set of irons. <laughs> I got oh my I was god. Like, I think there's a joke here. I just don't I just don't know where to at. I I figured it was gonna be left-handed. <laughs> the themes here are so great. Um as, uh, okay, so, what'd you say, Chad? The tool in their pants. What? Well, say that one more time. Sorry. I said I'm surprised nobody said anything about the tool in their pants. Oh wow! And we're <laughs> off the rails. Four minutes in. Doesn't get anything done, today. so it's not really worth coming wow. Um, yeah. Mike, did you come up with one? What about the radio? Does that count? Um, like are we tool, doing like if you were doing overhaul with it and like? Well, ever, since we all have we all have the Halligan, I'll I'll pick something else. Uh, okay. There's not like twenty on a truck. 
Perner, for those of you listening to the like podcast, we're this later. Perner, Turner is Perner. <laughs> Turner is using his radio to simulate bashing a hole in the wall for overhaul. It would probably work. It's just a really expensive overhaul tool. <laughs> um, pickhead. I don't know. Okay. So All right. Anybody got a runner up besides the Halligan? Actually, how about uh, how about a pike pole? Because I'm short. It's a good ah. reaching tool. Is there a gator back one? Yeah, I like that one. Ooh. Um, a six foot New York hook. Mm. Oh yeah, what's that? What's that one you used to carry around, Barrett? New York hook. I had a four foot though. So that's, that's what I was going to get at real quick with the tools. So there was a guy, there's a guy from my Academy class. Um, and he's a shorter stockier guy and he loved carrying the TNT and he get a bunch of shit from his crew for carrying the TNT. Yeah. Turner's making a face, looking for other faces. Nobody else is making a face, but Turner's is pretty rough. And they're like, dude, you are like four foot tall. You're and that's an exaggeration. You're not going to be able to open ceiling with the TNT tool why are you carrying that instead of a pike pole or whatever else? And so the first fire he went to with that crew, as his story goes, he uh, climbed up on a dining room table and opened the whole ceiling. <laughs> so whatever tool you choose. Now for me, the Halligan works really well because I'm six foot six. And that's why I also didn't, you know, people were giving me shit for having a four foot New York hook. It's like, I'm already six feet tall. Why do I need a six foot hook? Whatever. So I mean, if you can use like it. reach. What's that? The four foot hook. That's like 12 foot of reach with yeah, this four foot Exactly. Hook. So I'm good with that. Um, so talk to me about the pig, Chad. Do you you guys have one on Providence? Or do you have, have your own? own personal one? Nice. They're still chasing it around the yard. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pig, it's the the best, I think it's the best of both worlds, in my opinion. It's got your flat-headed axe, and then you have your pick on the other side. Versatile. You're going to have to bring that to our search training. It's a more versatile. <laughs> it's coming. It is? Good. Hey, let me plug that real quick. Uh, we still got some open seats for the for them residential search weekend. April 9th is a webinar from 6 to 10-ish. Uh, and then that is... $10 to go to that. All the money raised will go to the family of a, of a close friend of Mike Lord, one of our instructors who died in a fire. Um, that family is going to tell their story in that webinar. And then Saturday and Sunday, the 10th and 11th of April, we were we are going to be at an acquired structure that we are pumping with real smoke, creating real living conditions, using real victims, making this as realistic as an, and as intense as possible. Um, to simulate what search is really like. And again, that family sharing their story of losing their loved one in a fire, uh, just driving home the expectations of our citizens. So you can sign up for that at fireground4.com. And uh, it's a bar right at the top of the page. You won't miss it. Register there. 10 bucks for the webinar only, 100 bucks for the webinar and two days of training that were scheduled for eight hours. But realistically, we'll go as long as everybody wants to go and we'll keep going. Uh, we could do 24 hours of training in a weekend if that's what people want to do. So you're getting a bunch of training, a bunch of good instructors um, that are helping out with this, that have been busting their tail. Very personal to Mike Lord. He's he's doing a lot of the hands-on stuff uh, in terms of putting this house together. We were just there today. 
and spread the word because we want this class full. The whole point is that we can learn from this tragedy. So please, if you can't make it, print out a flyer, spread the word and, uh, and sign up if you can. So back to tools, uh, <laughs> which again, I just keep thinking back to Kevin's comment. Um, so talk to me about flathead axe versus pickhead axe. Do you guys want to, you and uh, Mike and Kevin want to have a little debate on which one you'd carry in? I'd carry in a flathead. To me, it's more versatile. I can bash more crap with it. I can use it with my Halligan. It gives me a little bit more versatility. Plus, I don't have to worry about stabbing myself with both ends. <laughs> Mike, what's your take on the pickhead? Or were you just genuinely picking it because... It was honestly a random thing. Um, I do enjoy it. I, I don't know why. Um, the pick on the, I, mean, I don't know, you can use it for a couple other things, but versatility wise, yeah, you're not exactly going to be, you know, using it as a hammer more or less, but it was honestly just a random tool I picked off the truck. I mean, I could have picked the pry bar just because I wanted to, to uh, shake up the hell again. Mix it up. I almost said crash axe. <laughs> Those oh, are great. I just so want to throw that out. Paratech hammer. <laughs> oh my God. I, I just felt. I just felt like everyone. I felt that felt that the Halligan had too much love. So, but even though yes, it's a good tool. It's it's something everyone can grab and use, and you can use in multiple situations. Um, I was just trying to be different. All right, where do you wear your radio, Tyler? Under the coat tonight. Under the coat strap. Yep. Turner. Yep. Uh, under the coat, hanging over the top, like it down like that. That was up through the top of the zipper underneath yep. the flap. All right. Yep. Just, just hanging down. Saying it for the sake of people who won't watch the video later, but listen oh. to this. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Trying to make a visual thing a little more audio. Chad, where do the Europeans wear their radios? God, <laughs> this is not going to stop. Um, <laughs> for sale, for sale, a $500 Euro helmet. Anybody want to buy it? I still think you got you got to wear it on a real fire first, and tell us. I you know I'll still try it. So, Chad, you tell us this helmet's safer, but you go to your first call with it, and you step in a gopher hole. I don't know. I'm suspicious. There those were two separate calls. Oh, geez. I just put my foot on my shredder. I almost had a machinery. <laughs> um, apparently, I need to empty it because pushing it down makes it run. Uh, I got so where? <laughs> It just became a tech rescue course tonight. Uh, so, so off the European thing, um, where where do you wear your radio, Chad? Um, under the coat, on a strap, and similar to Turner, the mic just goes whoop. And Mike, <laughs> off the coat. not not microphone, but Mike Green. Oh, um, on a strap. Under if if there's a coat, it's under the coat. Whoop out the top. <laughs> Kevin. Same way, probably about 80% of the time. There's other times where the coat gets thrown on, it gets thrown on over because, well, shit, I forgot. And I'm not taking my coat back off and put it on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Jason? If I remember to use it, and if I'm on the engine, I'll put it underneath the coat. But other than that, I just keep it in my coat pocket if I know I'm going direct and not on the engine. Gotcha. Man, we got a consensus. I do under the coat radio strap whoop, up through the top. <laughs> I couldn't do it without laughing. Jason, yeah, like, do, you, do you whoop it? You whoop? I you whoop, whoop it? Whoop. Yep. Right at the top. And then like sometimes, 
Oh, go ahead. I don't I don't whoop it, I swoop it. Where do you swoop it to? I swoop it up and then down. Probably to the left. <laughs> I'll, slightly, I'll either slightly I'll, to the left. Mine either dangles on its own or I clip it to the chest strap or sometimes I'll clip it to the I I vary on that a little bit. It's always right here somewhere, right right in the center of my chest. It's just sometimes I decide to clip it different ways. Do you prefer I, it to dangle in the middle of your chest or do you prefer it to be secured? Um you know it depends on I think it really comes down to how much time I have to do it. I, I, I don't mind it dangling. I kind of like it not being secured. And like when I, when I had to call a mayday, it wasn't secured. I just knew I could reach here and it was somewhere in that area. And that worked evidently. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why I vary, why I clip it sometimes and why I don't to be honest with you. And now I'm going to have to always more secure mine when it, when it pops out, I've got that strap on the top of my coat there. Okay. I'll just yeah. flip the clip and clip it right there. So I know exactly where it is every time when I grab for it. Nice. And I'll, I use my, even though I'm right handed, I use my left hand on the radio most of the time because it's right there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. Wow. Huh. I'm a crosser. Uh, same, similar to what Kevin does. I use a little clip that's above the radio pocket, mm -hmm. clip it down there kind of. Um, sometimes if it's loud or accidents, I'll clip it up to the like, the collar of my coat. Okay. I've seen people do like the, the um, chin strap on the helmet. Does anybody do that? I noticed that when I clip it right above my radio pocket, um, I don't notice during the fire, but after the fire, I'm watching my footage back and I'm looking at my camera. I realize how many times I key it up. Like every time I look down, my face hits it. Or every time I put my arms down, my arms hit it. And it just, you know, it's just a key up for a second. Like, man, that's, a, that's kind of a nuisance. I don't know if that's just me. It that might is. be why I, I let it dangle off. most of the time. If I can get it into a spot, yeah. because, yeah, that's the thing is, like, if I turn my head this way, I'm bumping it. And then, yeah, so if it dangles, it's going to push away. But I know it's only dangling this far. It's, it's still, I'm swooping, <laughs> to steal Jason's word, I'm swooping to grab it. So I know it's going to be somewhere right in here. Um, and like I said, having that, that actual experience of having of having to actually grab it. I'm having issues over here. Stuff's happening. Lights, shredders, Ninja Just make Turtles. Sure the dangling thing doesn't get in the shredder. Yeah, no, the dangly thing does not go in the shredder. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me, I have to vacuum later. So, Is that your ex-girlfriend's name? <laughs> I, I had like three thoughts that entered my head in that moment. And then remembered I'm streaming on Facebook. So as, as a good mentor of mine says, um, uh, counsel, what the hell? Counsel advises me not to answer or something. So I'll just go with that. Uh, <laughs> what other rapid fire personal preference stuff do we have? Oh, John came on. Let's ask about, um, John, where do you wear your uh, radio? We're, we're doing kind of a rapid fire to see where everybody stands with, uh, with the common debatable items. You're talking about my portable radios? Yes, sir. Well, unless I you're wearing a mobile, in which case I am incredibly impressed. No, I, I, not yet. <laughs> John, like Johnny and Rook style. 
somehow um, like <laughs> I, I carry them on a, a leather radio strap but of course for me usually i used to carry two portable radios because i'd leave one on the fireground channel and one on the dispatch channel mm-hmm. so they'd be on the outside of my coat so i'd have easier access to get to them gotcha what a twist john just, so you know your niece says hi to you by the way what's that your niece says hi oh hello hello what was yours, Tyler? You had an idea for the next rapid fire? Yep, uh, pike pole or New York hook for overhaul. Ooh. And we'll open it up to if anybody has any of the other ones because I'm starting to look at some of these other ones and I really want some. Uh, so, Tyler, what, I'll let you start. New York or pike pole? Uh, New York all the way. The pike, the, the pick always just gets stuck in the ceiling. It's a pain in the ass to pull down, whereas the New York hook has more of a blunt. It's easier to twist around and pull. Tyler prefers the blunt. Dan, what's your choice? Uh, same thing. Um, also, I mean, a lot of definitely a lot of good benefits to the New York hook. Um, the flat side's actually for getting under tin, being able to pull tin down. Um, so you can go to the corner of a room, hook up, hook up, much up, get up um, in the corner, and then pull that side down. So probably the New York hook. Um, yeah, New York hook. Chad. The European New York hunt. I can't help it at this point. I'm so sorry, yet I'm not. It's Can okay. you say the French hook? I don't know uh-huh. what that is. Uh-huh. Actually, wouldn't that be a poppy ear ladder? Croissants. <laughs> Croissant. <laughs> no, I'd have to go with the uh, the New York hook. Um, and it does a good job at doing the punch method. Mike? New York. John? Whatever the firefighters want to carry because I'm not doing it. Nice. I knew. <laughs> uh, what What did you, did you have a preference or did the New York not catch on at the time that, like, I know that it's been around, yeah, but it seems like it's a, it's a trend now. Yeah, it wasn't. The New York hook was kind of making its way into our area probably about the time I was not doing that anymore. Um, I prefer more of the, like the closet hook, the shorter, the pike okay. pole. Good deal. Oh, that reminds me of somebody on these next two folks' departments that has a closet hook. Uh, so, Kevin, which one do you prefer? To stay in the closet. Um, well, I won but, that bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, overall, I'd say either a New York hook or a dry, like a shorter drywall hook. Okay. I, I like the big purchase with the drywall, especially on like a six, four to six foot pole. Depending on what I'm trying to pull. But there again, if we go into plaster, uh, like a plaster place or something like that. I want a New York hook for that. Just way better at penetrating through the ceiling, getting your hook in. And Jason? Doesn't bother me a bit. <clears throat> Any of the tools work. Um, a majority of the people that I see that uh, grab something to pull drywall, I always see them grab the uh, uh, pike pole because we have a couple of uh, New York hooks on the truck, but people tend to forget that they're there. Okay. Do you, do you guys have the gator backs down there? Some, yes. Yeah, we okay. did at Rossford. Some people really like those ones. Those were popular in my last department up in Alaska. They really like those up there. I think the only reason that hasn't caught on for us in Toledo is the fact that we get we get a disproportionate number of, like, first of all, lath and, the old lath and plaster. Second of all, the chicken wire lath and plaster, <laughs> which is just that so just much fun. Sucks. Oh my God, that is, and that's where like the New York hook has been pretty good. 
Um, but I, I would be interested to try like a Boston, is it the Boston rake that I'm thinking of? And then there's a new char tool too that I'm curious about, but Turner's shaking his head. I want to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing. Yeah, the Boston rake. I, I'm really okay. interested to try that. And I've, I've been constantly, yeah, he's doing it with his hands. Well, that sounded weird. Um, but I, I've, you know, the number of tools I want to purchase that I have no business purchasing while I'm still on an ambulance or still in staff. Uh, <laughs> but the Boston rake would probably be my next one just to give it a shot because I'd be really curious to see how all that does. I'm not sure I know what that one is. That is, um, it kind of looks like a, almost like a sickle. I'm going to share a picture of it in the chat. Very popular in, uh, or at least a link. Are you going to say very popular in Boston? In, in, yeah, in Boston, Dan. You know the New York hook. You know where that comes from? Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, let alone fact. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm. What was uh, the first department to buy the Halligan bar? Ooh, was it New York? I know Halligan came nope. up with it, but it wasn't New York then. Shoot, I knew this at one point. I go. Anybody? Boston. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Damn it. Good quiz. New York couldn't purchase it because it was a conflict of interest because of Hugh Halligan still being on the department at the time. So the gotcha. guys had to take out of their own fund and buy their own for their station house. The city wouldn't fund it. Nice. Cool. And now some of us just buy them on our own anyway because we have an addiction. I think I have... I've had three. I lost one. I think I still have two. And I bought one for Dan. Has anybody ever tried the bad axe? Yes. I've seen a cracked Dan? one. It, it, it works. It's heavy. God, it's heavy, but it works. I've always been curious about it. It looked like a, it'd be a pretty workable tool, but for $300, it's also a really yeah, expensive one when a pig's a whole lot cheaper. Yeah, butte bottom. My irons are uh, a pro bar, and then um, I do have I do have a max one of the Maximus bars, but I use my pro bar primarily, and then um, an Iron Fox axe. I love my Iron Fox flathead, obviously because it's irons, uh, but that thing is a beast. Anyone running a sledgehammer with their? Uh... With their uh, fourth one tree kit? When I had my second yes. set of irons in my car, yes. Because <laughs> Harbor Freight had them, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to buy one of those instead of getting another axe. You guys do um, run that two medic units. Our two medic units actually have a set of irons on just in case they get that, hey, we're here, and we got to force the door to get in. So we put a set of irons on both, and those are a nested sledgehammer and uh, halligan. Nice. Yeah, same with my medic unit, too. Ooh, let's do that then. Um, medic units fire equipped or not? Because I've heard that some of the places aren't, even though they're fire-based EMS. So do you guys have like SCBAs and stuff? Uh, Tyler first. Uh, we, we just started going to it. We have two staff medic units. One is fire equipped so we have scbas and we keep our gear on there and that's actually our rick crew and the oh, other okay. medic unit cross staffs the ladder truck so they leave their gear on the truck gotcha okay uh turner 
Uh, yeah, we do. Um, they are they have SCBAs and then uh, you know irons on there as well. Um, like Tyler, they operate as our two out if the ladder truck or the next engine is going to be a minute. Um, they'll designate the ambulance crew out. Gotcha. Chad, current ambulance no because we're um, limited on space, but the uh, new one that's hopefully coming next month has space for all that stuff, so nice. it will be. Mike, even though I know the answer, I'll let you answer. Are you asking if our engines are ALS expired? No. Me- wow, you were. What's up, Ben? Mike Mike was owned out. That's okay. He's drinking wine again. Uh, if your medic units are equipped to go to fires. Yes, as they should be. <laughs> John, because I cut you off earlier. Yeah, we have uh, SEBA on ours here, but mine's not so much for the fires, but sometimes you go to those CO alarms and you need to get into the patient. That's the thing that kind of blows my mind when it comes to the places that don't have SCBAs in their medic unit. It's like, why, if you're fire-based EMS, I just don't see the reason why you wouldn't, unless you're really limited on money or, or whatever, but still like how many, if, if there's SCBAs on the brush rig, maybe it's worth moving them over, at least have the option to move them over. Um, Kevin and Jason together, you guys can, if you want to owe each other a Coke, you can say it at the same time. I'll let Jason take. Okay. Our new medic unit, we have a a bracket that we got to put on the medic unit for two SCBAs, but our old medic unit does not because of space. Okay. So there you go. So space being a reason, but you know that you guys are. I mean, usually. Well, are there are there SCBAs in the life squad? There, there are right. No. No, no, really? Huh? I mean, I didn't know what the, what the different versions of that was. Um, is that, are they just EMS then? Or is that just a space thing on the life squad too? Life squads technically um, when they're assigned to it, aren't allowed to do firefighting operations. But what about that CO situation? That's where we're getting to the weeds a little bit there. Yeah. But they're also going to have space or constraints too, though. I mean, look at the amount of gear that we put on those. Plus, they always carry their gear, so that back compartment's always full of their gear. Mm. So, I mean, that's look at the amount of equipment just any department carries on EMS. Space is always a huge issue on mm. the EMS. I know we, we carry them yeah, on the live squads, but it's just a matter of actually, you know, again, we're not there for fire but we have them in case we need them or um, part of our assignment too, is that if we're on the life squad, the one time we do don our SCBAs is a high rise assignment. We're going to the, the forward operating base Two full, don't quote me two floors below the fire. This is why I have a cheat sheet for myself for high rise fires um, where we set up the EMS sector up there. So um, obviously that's not an issue for everybody, but um, if you do have like a shelter in place situation or something like that, it'd just be another consideration. But like you said, Kevin, it's, it's getting into the weeds and how much, how much space you have, how much, you know, for some departments, how much money they have to be able to buy a couple more packs. So again, just talking about options. Welcome, Dan. Hi, brother. Hello, everyone. Are you, at, oh, you're at work. I was like, I'm trying to figure out where in your house you were. Um, we're just doing rapid fire. For those of you just joining us, rapid fire questions about various things that cause debates in the fire service. Ooh, I have a good one. So we so far we've done 
Um, oh, I should be taking notes. <laughs> so far we've done what tool would you take the majority of the time? So we'll, uh, like what tool would you grab above all else? So Ben, what tool would that be for you? Uh, without a doubt, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take a bar. Um, that's probably, I think everybody and their mother, I think that goes across America. Like if, if you were to rip everything off an engine and just put halogen bars and New York hooks, I don't know what you guys carry, but at least on the East coast, everybody and their mother's showing up with a bar and a New York hook. That's at least for, I would say a majority of my area and like other counties too, like East coast all day, man, everybody's got a hook and a bar. Man, That's I would have lost that bet. I was going to get some 24 duo safety every day of the week. I knew somebody, I was thinking he might say a ladder, but, but it is hard to overhaul with the ladder, you know, on the second floor. Even though I'm the ladder guy, the stairs are there. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. So, <laughs> so the consensus before we got on was, was the bar. Um, and then we got into roof hooks. I'll talk or New York hooks. I'll talk about that in a second to get everybody caught up. Dan, uh, what's your tool? Uh, are we just talking like first do bread and butter? Yeah, just like your your go-to, you can grab it and do 99% of what you want to do. Pickhead. Really? Uh-huh. I bought you a damn Halligan. I know, and I still use it, but <laughs> if I get there and I'm going into a fire, my adrenaline mixed with uh, that tool seems to do a better job than the Halligan. <laughs> All right, mixing it up. Most of uh, You and Mike had the same one. Everybody else is pretty much... Uh, and uh, Kevin had a flathead, if I'm not mistaken. Is that you? Uh, 2030. It's 2030. So um, next question was, where's your, where do you wear your radio at, Ben? So uh, we were talking about this the other day. We just switched to uh, these new ones, Harris, um, which are fantastic. No, they're, they're sarcasm they're, alert. Dude, they suck. Sure. Um, so they're so easy to switch. I used to be a big guy with the radio strap underneath my coat. Um, now what I'll do is I'll keep it in my right side, in my right pocket, so right for radio. Mm -hmm. um, and that stays right in my right pocket. I don't crush it when I crawl or anything like that. Um, and then I run the mic through like I would if I had a radio strap. Um, it just allows me to get right into my pocket a whole lot easier because the knob is so easy to switch channels on us. Mm -hmm. And then also we have multiple zones, and uh, sometimes our guys get lazy and I'll leave a zone and it'll just switch me to, I'll be talking to a hospital when I'm trying to talk inside. Oh, so damn. I started carrying it right there in my pocket. Um, and I'll just leave the strap, you know, still in the rig. So if like I'm walking around doing something, I can still rock it, but yeah, it's always going to go in my right pocket. Gotcha. Dan. Um, yours changed, right? We, we, yeah, we used to debate about it now with the longer coats, uh, here at this job, I like to wear it under the coat. Unless I fuck up my order, which happens often. <laughs> You're the and second one that mentioned that. Over the yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of hook, Dan? Uh, New York. Ben? I think you already answered, but just to be sure. Yeah, it's got to be a New York, but it's got to be all steel. It can't be that mm -hmm. fiberglass crap. I can't stand yep. a fiberglass hook. It's point. It feels a little too heavy for me. Oh yeah, the yeah, hollows. Let's do heavy for you. <laughs> um, transport unit. Well, I already kind of answered for Dan, so you don't have to answer this one. But uh, Ben, do you guys have transport units, or are you fire only? I wish I could say that, but dude, there's more sick people than there are fires these days. Uh, yep, just making so, sure. Um, 
Do you guys have so fire we, equipment on your medic units? Or on yeah, your- absolutely. So okay. we, we've run the floor where I'm at. So we don't have a set staffed unit uh, besides some houses because we are a growing department. But when the bell hits, whatever it is, we have to take our stuff off one unit and move it on there. Um, the medic unit comes with two air packs. Um, usually I'll have three to four guys on that. So it's kind of a toss up there. Thank God I'm the lieutenant. So I definitely get an air pack. Um, we carry a can, uh, a can and a dry kim on there. So we can do some work. And uh, we have been known to search in front of the line if we get there first. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all the you know dynamic that you have with your crew. But uh, we definitely, if we go fire ops, we have to get replaced with another medic unit. Okay. We still don't have that capability to have ALS services there. That was that was like Dan and my unwritten, unwritten but very much spoken rule that if we were on roster together and we got a fire, we were already out. We're just going in and doing a search. That's the first thing we're going to do because – like I've said before, pause can burn down. As long as you search the searchable spaces, at least you can say that much. Like that's, we need to get comfortable with searching without a line. And I see Jason's thumb just went up, thumbs up on that one. We need you to get comfortable always, with the idea that we could search without a line and a water can is going to provide us enough to, uh, help to search the places we can search. With You'll understanding of how to uh, control the flow path still. Because if we did it when we just started, we would have torched houses because we had no fucking idea. <laughs> But if we were to do it now, then we'd be fine. Ben, I think you need a bigger water bottle. What were you going to say? <laughs> Jeez, dude, that's like your workout. <laughs> oh, that's all good. I mean, a big man needs big water. But uh, no, nah, man, especially with our medic units, we'll definitely get blocked in by the second engine, dude. If you're like, oh, I'm going to park in this driveway. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't run over four inch. That's it. <laughs> uh, Jason's got his hand up. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting because Ben just said that they carry water cans on their medic units. Um, we just start carrying cans on all of our our, uh, our two medic units and the life squad now just for uh, simple fires. Which oh, is yeah. interesting because probably a couple of years ago we had a, a, just a small room and contents fire in a, um, in a duplex. And it, it was more smoke than anything. Mm-hmm. We ended up not even pulling a hand line. I ended up just taking a water can in there with me and extinguishing the whole fire. Can do a lot of work for a little can. Yep. The, uh, that I saw, we, we had water cans in Rossford. We have, I usually try and steal one if I'm on a medic unit for uh, Toledo, but, um, the other thing that we, I pushed at Rossford once has anybody seen the the setup Miami Dade has on their medic units? They've got like a liter, I think it's like a liter line of two and a half to a gated Y or a reducer. I could be wrong. Um, and then like, I don't know, it looked like probably about 100, 150 feet of inch and three quarter. And it's just, and a hydrant wrench. And it's just on the medic unit and a smooth bore nozzle. It's like, it looks like it's mostly for car fires, but my argument for Rossford at the time was we were down to one engine and I'm like, if we show up, you know, and I think we had the Kennedy valve on, or my, my proposal included throwing the Kennedy valve on there too. So we could, you know, just shut it down and hook up something else. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> that, that idea didn't really go anywhere, but it's like, if a big department like that's doing it, that's just a random, interesting, not to say the big departments always know what they're doing, but 
interesting consideration for what else if you do have room in your medic unit if you're already struggling for room sure don't do it but we were down to one engine we're like we got a bunch of hose why not put it somewhere we might be able to use it even if it's a one in a million chance uh yeah mike welcome mike hi mike oh, honey, my banana hammock is in the wash yeah well oh she, hey, guys. Where she knows your where your banana hammock is yeah no <laughs> kidding i think i like kevin mcnutt borrow it it's probably stretched out, then. Oh. Oh. Whoa, in the My, front? Mike, rapid fire to get you caught up. Just one word answers. Favorite tool to carry that does 99% of the work you want to do? Uh, fire service related? Y yeah, not that one. <laughs> yeah, you're the first one to say that. Uh, favorite tool? Uh, New York hook. Uh, radio pocket. Or radio. How do you store your radio? Sorry, radio pocket strap where? uh usually outside on a strap on a strap yeah are, are we talking outside the coat or are we just talking like how i carry it how you carry it in general inside um, outside strap no strap pocket whatever so I, I i do it two different ways uh at lake i carry it just kind of life squad style in my back pocket mm -hmm. um only because a lot of times we're not you know we don't have fire gear on our oh well, we don't have scbas on our rigs so that checks off a question we asked later <laughs> um but everywhere else on a strap i do carry a strap with me at lake though just in case we are being dispatched to a fire and then i just throw it in the strap gotcha uh you answered what kind of hook already with the new york hook and you answered the medic units with uh fire equipment already so you're caught up um masks on at the door or getting off the rig uh bro or, you already know my answer that no, okay is, yeah <laughs> that, that mask is on in the truck i'm coming off with it on all right uh tyler mask at the door turner mask on 13 seconds i'm doing it at the door ben first two engine um we're definitely gonna have our mask on in the rig um as an officer, I won't because I got to do my lovely 360 and I want to eat shit over top of a fence or see that dog that's going to get me. So first two engine, yeah. Um, and then if we got like multiple reports like, hey, it's a working fire, all this fun stuff, da da da, then we'll definitely beef it up from there. But uh, I'm big on masking up with my gloves on. So we're proficient in that skill too. But if we're first two engine, I mean, I don't know about you guys in uh, Ohio and all that fun stuff, but I've got like six different things telling me the weather and how far I'm out and how far I'm, you know, traveling. Uh, so if we're one mile out, I'll yell out to my guys one mile out and that's allows them to mask up. Um, like I said, we jump from rig to rig. So I'd rather have that guy tell me while he's in my rig being like, Hey, LT man, I forgot my gloves. Uh, I keep an extra pair of gloves up there with me. I can throw them back to my guy. Um, Hey man, I forgot my mask. All right, we'll rip open the mask bag and grab the other bag. We'll talk about it later. Instead of, you know, I do yeah. my 360, I meet them back at the front door, and they're like, I'm not ready because I don't have anything. So that's kind of what <laughs> I would start doing our thing. No, and it's interesting hearing the cross-staffing or the, the cross-the-floor stuff to have the extra stuff with you. That makes sense because that obviously is very likely to happen. I think most of us having been on departments like that, so it's nice to hear the backup plan thing. Um, Mike? Uh, door, but it's out of the bag, hanging, ready to go. Dan? In the rig. And I'll add to Dan's because in the rig, same. Um, 
because that 13 seconds of masking up at the door is enough for another crew to run up and run past you. And we still do that some for some reason. Because, um, again, most of our rigs are getting on scene right on top of each other. So if I know we're first due or like we're on a smoke investigation or something and then it gets tapped out as a regular and we know we're going to have a little time. In that instance, I'm probably not masked up anyway for a smoke in the area. But um, that's the only time I could think of that I haven't had a mask on. Uh, Chad. I don't, I don't usually wear oh. one when I'm driving, though. <laughs> thanks for the clarification you know what? no mask going in just free ball on it let's go i i have done the no clicking in thing as a cowboy move meaning i just forgot to click in uh chad <laughs> um when i used to ride the back seat it was um on before we got off the truck um nowadays i try to click it into the regulator and it hangs and then it would be at the door. Good deal. But uh, Mike. Oh, yeah. I was an ad dad, but I haven't seen the inside of a fire in a while. So <laughs> you got to get that helmet tested. That's all. Uh, Mike already said his. John, uh, your guys, if if not yourself. Um, well, I used to do it in the truck. Um, okay, cool. I think most of the guys here at the new department um, are in the truck. My old department in Alaska was in the truck as well. Okay. Yeah, it'd be really cold to have to put it on your face after being outside. Uh, <laughs> well, the problem we always ran into there is they would, if you got them on and they would freeze up uh, the valves and stick open to flow. Damn. Here, I was so just joking. So we'd have uh, hair dryers on the truck that we would have to thaw them out, the regulator, so we could use them. Damn. Some of us have blow dryers. sounds like it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it did. So it, you'd be in there working the scene, and of course, all that moisture from your breathing's up, built up into the uh, regulator. You come out and change bottle, it would freeze up before you could go back in. So we'd have to thaw them before they could go back in. So what we try to do is stuff them inside your coat to keep warm. Huh. And uh, the second favorite McNutt, I'm sorry, Kevin McNutt. Ouch. I'm hurt now. <laughs> you can file a complaint. Um, it depends on what position I'm riding. Um, if I'm riding officer seat, uh, it'll be masked up at the door. But if I'm riding the back seat, depending on the call, if I know it's a working fire, I'm probably coming up with a mask on. Yeah. Same with you, Jason, or a different mentality there? Oh, mask up at, at the truck. And then Kaminsky probably has the same answer as uh, a couple of us on here. But, Matt, we're just talking – we're doing rapid fire – like hot topic questions um where you mask up in the rig or at the door or if you've ever had something different than you do now uh, uh first do 100 percent mask up in the rig uh if we're second or third of the lineup and it kind of seems like we might beat the first do definitely putting it back on um writ not putting it on and all it's pretty situational but first do definitely putting it on in the, in the rig good deal i love this debate when it hits online because uh i feel like it's like anything right if you train to do it one way like people talk about the the reduced visibility or field of, of view it's like okay then train to move your head more <laughs> like you can we can train to do stuff and so and and i get that it's personal preference and it's also you know a lot of times oh i almost fell out of my chair a lot of times it is, um, you know, department tradition or, or circumstance with, you know, who's showing up when in relation to your first driving rig. But, you know, I love seeing this debate just 
get so freaking intense online and it's like, who cares? Like, you know, I can't think of a time that somebody, I can think of times like people, excuse me, people tripped on their way out the door to the rig to get to a fire because of some poor fire station planning. But um, I can't think of a time that somebody tripped and fell outside that wasn't like snow or ice related just because they had their mask on, if that makes sense. So I do have my, I just tried this. I saw it on, a, on I know, Mike, your hands up. Give me a second. Jesus. I was waving to the people behind Dan. Okay. Oh, I thought you were, you had your hand was, up and then you put your hand up like waving. And no, I you were impatient because you tend to be impatient. There's somebody behind Daniel. Yeah, hey, no attention to the people behind the curtain. And I was being <laughs> polite and waving to them. And I just, I just decided to yell at them. you because it's been yeah. a long time since I've yelled at you. What, like a couple hours? Uh, yeah. I didn't yell at you out there. Twice. I don't think. Anyway, so I got a, uh, <laughs> I got a strap. Was it on this side? I think it's on this side. I haven't messed with my gear in a little while. Um, but I got a strap, and then um, it's a uh, like a release clasp with one of the. I had to put something on, so I got the remove before flight tags and you pull it and your mask unclips. So instead of like throwing it over my shoulder like I used to and then swinging it back around, I'm trying this and I can't remember what training page posted it, but I'm just experimenting with it because I like having it clipped out of the way where it's not going to drag if I, you know, get down to do something or whatever. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, it's no Euro helmet. Um, what other uh, give me another hot topic, something that pisses people off. You ignored my hand raised. Yep, I did. Mike, you have your hand raised. <laughs> Go I, ahead. I just want to say I feel like Ben doesn't even need to wear a mask because of that stash. The fire just goes out when he shows up. You know, he shows up and it's just like, I'm done. That stash is too much. There's going to be a weird man crush tension that happens when we have this 100%. training. Ben comes oh, no. 100%, 100%. I'm touching it. I'll do it all day. <laughs> Upon further review, Turner and Ben, you guys have to stay at a hotel instead of my apartment because I'm a little concerned Mike's going to show up. Don't, you remember, like I told your woman, don't look out the window. <laughs> you Mike's just got to take one of them home. It's fine. <laughs> Who, uh, you know, I can't even say that. I want to, but I'm not going to say it. So, God, those moments that you start talking and then you remember, once again, you're streaming on Facebook. Uh, give me another. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Shaved or clean shaven, like clean shaven or or uh, stubble or all out beard. Do you really think it matters? Bring all the out beards. beard. 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 If you don't <laughs> have a beard, you're not a fireman. Just because they can have beards. I want a beard. All right. Um, lots of talking. <laughs> the more Vaseline, the better. Yeah, always. That's just a general life rule. That's what my grandma always told me growing up. Uh, you want to talk about it? Uh, I have therapy on Tuesday, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good money for that. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> so, like, what if? What about the stubble in the volunteer world? How much stubble is is like you're or you're holding that against somebody? Are we going with the NFPA quarter inch? Sure. Or eighth an inch? I forget what it exactly is. I, think I forgot. It's I think it's quarter inch because I think even when I did when I did asbestos, you couldn't have over a quarter inch. And he was doing asbestos he could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Can I go off the call? I'm assuming everyone was, was wow, laughing. Okay. It's just that everybody was muted. Nobody laughed. 
Ashley laughed at that. It makes you feel better. Yeah, it does. Your wife is a saint. He's used to women laughing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Gosh, I love when I love when Cap just throws in a quick jab and it's always like <laughs> it's always like a real quick one and then he's out. Ooh. Um what wait, which one did I ask right before? Did I ask one and then you reminded me that your hand was up, Mike? Or did I Nope, I interrupted nope. you. Okay. Perfect, as you should, and as Chad should do more often. Oh, look, he's about to do it. Chad. Nope. It's like waiting for, for like an animal to do something exciting in nature. It's like Chad goes unmuted and I'm like, oh, something exciting is about to happen. And then, and then no. Um, There's a girlfriend joke in there, Barrett. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now um, people are laughing. Yeah, no, I, that's true. And <laughs> I got an unrelated text you, message that I can't read. It's so <laughs> you set that up. Mm, I know I did. Uh, Chad's crying laughing, according to his uh, emoji. So uh, mid-mount or side-mount pump? Mid-mount. Tyler, what's your preference? Um, so far, I've really only had a chance to work on top-mount. Um, that's probably better the new rig. We just got the township and the new rig that's coming in here. Go both side mounts. Oh, so um, one thing we did at the township, the officer side has a camera with a screen on the driver's side of the pump panel. Oh, interesting. It's just so you can see that what's going on the other side. Cause you have a big ass truck in your way. Yeah. Makes sense. Interested to see that Turner. I'm out. No top mounts. No comment? No, no top mounts. Oh, side no mount, top mounts. Side mount only. Yeah. I thought you said no comment. I'm like, geez, touchy subject, dude. What the hell? Ben? Yeah, I'm going to go side mounts all day. Dan? Dorner? Uh, I'm impartial, but I don't like the cross lays in the top mounts. Hmm. I, I agree with that statement. Chadwick? Top mount. How do you feel about the cross lays? They're all right. <laughs> um, my wife wants to know if Ben has a mustache comb. He does. Okay, then. Okay. Okay, yeah. good. She's gonna buy him one. Okay. She was <laughs> she's probably gonna like make one, whittle it. I was gonna uh, say fire grounds training on it. <laughs> my my other question is, do you have any websites that start with PH and just have, uh, just, just have your mustache? Eight. Or uh, OnlyFans? No, no, not my family. Oh. Fans only. Not, not yet. I got to get it up there. But I mean, maybe if you look up like Dr. Mustache or Mr. Mustache. Gotta go. Was that your wife asking again, Chad? Yeah. yeah. I love you, Dan. <laughs> she said yes in the background. Oh, I think Chad's asking and just using his wife as a cop out. That could be true, also. Chad, you got started with asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> asking for a friend? No, I'm kidding. What? <laughs> asking for myself. Who just left? Dan, my brother. Dan, oh. run. he's going to be a hero. He you guys know he works at Toledo Fire, right? Oh my God. What? Uh, uh? 
The Toledo Fire? The Toledo Fire. The Local 92. He out there. Oh he's gonna he's gonna go he's gonna go job town. What were did we I get talking about right? before this? Yeah, you did. Is that the right local? You were oh. talking about side mounts. Oh or... yeah. Tony or Mike. We're already listening to you, Mike. No, you already said Tony. All right, Tony. Uh I would say normally side mount, but Chad has me on the top mount in that uh doesn't matter where you park the rig, you can see <laughs> the, uh, the whole rig. Chad doesn't have me on the top mount, Mike. There you go. Everybody chime in. Uh <laughs> Uncle Chad Tony almost convinced me on how do I say fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> Tony's a power bottom. Oh my god! Chad, Chad <laughs> has demonstrated the uh, tactical efficiency of the top mount engine uh, because you can see the entire fire scene instead of having to worry about where your uh, rig is parked if you're the pump operator. And with that, I'll stop. I got a comment from Wes Wagner on Facebook. Uh, what about the top mount with cross lays under your feet? I think the oh. yeah, got thumbs down from Kaminsky. Chad, what's your take? Under the feet? Uh, that seems like a bad area. <laughs> it seems like an OSHA bit. <laughs> Good thing we're exempt. It seems like the gopher hole incident. But off the side of the engine. Fair enough. Uh, Matt, top or side? Uh, definitely side. Like, I, I can see your point where you got good situational awareness on the top. But the side, I mean, just from a safety aspect, like, I can't think of how many times we've been on scene and water's fucking everywhere and it's, you know, 10 degrees out. And everything's covered in ice and I can't imagine climbing up and down that fucking steps to get up there. That, that, that'd be a disaster. And then you got the, the cross lays coming out at your feet. That's even worse. Cause then you're going to trip on that shit. I got Eric Thiel who just posted Nope. And I'm not sure which part of the conversation he was posting Nope about. So Eric, if you're still watching on Facebook, uh, you can click the link and hop on and join us, or uh, at least tell us which part you were saying Nope to. Cause I lost track. I know it was a minute ago. Uh, Mike, top or side? Which Mike? Green, sorry. Top. All the way. Lord. Um, I I kind of, I'm like, Dan, I'm impartial to it. Uh, top, I kind of picture myself with a sweet mustache like Ben and like a stogie out of my mouth when I'm older. But... <laughs> um. I think side because it forces me to kind of do almost like a 180 around my truck when I'm trying to check stuff and when I'm doing things, it kind of forces me to move instead of being in one place. So I'm always constantly checking things on my truck, making sure, you know, things are where they're supposed to be, where I put them and stuff like that. So in that aspect, I think that's where I like it the most. Got some clarification from Eric. He was saying nope to the cross lays under your feet. And Ed Brown commented top mount with a rear pre-connect forces the driver to pull past three sides look and leave room for the truck. That's one of our engines at Lake. That's what it's like, like that. So um, I know like our training truck out there has uh, cross lays right, right next to the top mount. And then we have, uh, hand lines in the back, which 
If we didn't have cross legs in the front, I'd be okay with the hand lines in the back and the top mount at that point. And Chad, you got your hand up. That was a snaps, Mike. If someone's going to job town, or is that you? Oh, that was me. My window's open. Like it's so nice out. I, don't know who, I think it was <laughs> squad. Yeah, no, it's the sound effects playing in the background. Like this is a virtual background too. Oh, somebody's using the Euro siren. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> no, that was Mike earlier. Oh my I was going to say, you didn't hear me and Baker do that earlier? <clears throat> no, I didn't hear that earlier. I'm trying to figure out who that was. I don't know who it was. It might have been somebody from outside the city going to V's. Um, <laughs> uh, John, side or top for, uh, for your past preference? I'm going to give you the chief answer. Whatever will allow the truck to fit in the station. Damn, there it is. I was waiting for that one. I was waiting for either that or turning radius. Um, I... Actually, well, I really want to give a try to a rear mount pump Ooh. Um, where you can have it on the side, but at the rear of the truck. So you could still step two steps to the right and look at the scene if you needed to. Um, I've wanted to try one of those at every department I've ever been at, but I can never get buy in from the rest of the crew hmm. um, to do something like that. Because it looks like you're playing with the engine's butt. Yep. The other thing I saw, because I've done a lot of research into these pump locations, mm -hmm. um, I've seen side mount elevated where it was on the side so you didn't lose the walkway space, but there was a platform built that oh. you could stand on to look over the truck. Um, there is a department in Michigan that has a elevated rear mount. It's actually at the rear of the truck and there's a staircase that goes up both sides. Um, so it was like, take your, take your top mount, but instead of having it in the middle of the truck, it was all the way at the end. Hmm. Uh, um, so there's been a couple of, and then there was another one out there that was on the officer side. So that way, when you set up the defensive position, your pump panel was away from the road. So the engineer wasn't standing on the roadside. That's interesting. So there's a few different ones out there. Awesome. Thank, uh, and, and real quick, John, do you guys have, are all of yours enclosed then because of the temperatures? No, actually, when I was in Alaska, all of ours were open. Oh, really? Okay. Wow um we had heated mm -hmm. pump compartments so i mean we actually oh. had um heaters in the pump compartments that uh would circulate warm air around with a fan to keep it from freezing um some departments actually had heaters that were uh fuel fired heaters like up in the more interior regions the fairbanks area because they get down to negative 40 negative 60 degrees and so they would actually have it was kind of scary to have a burning unit inside your fire truck but that's what they had to do to keep it to the temperatures Thank you for saying burning unit. I just remembered I have to make a doctor's appointment. Chad, your hands Good. up. I was going to say uh, what uh, John was saying is uh, I took a pump class down at BGSU once and there somebody had a new brand new rear mount truck and I don't know, remember who it was, but it was definitely, definitely interesting and uh, it piqued my interest for a little bit. So you're intrigued by rear mounts versus on top you're you're the one that's on top so <laughs> next week diversity training uh <laughs> uh give me another hot topic give me another de uh, hotly debated diversity and inclusion oh geez you want to do you want to do nozzles yeah how do we that one's wow that's like social media 
seventh down the list. No nozzle, thumb over the tip. <laughs> like you garden know, old styles when it makes sense. It's just easier. You save money. Um. So uh, yeah, Ben, what's your nozzle choice? Being the ladder man that you are. Yeah, the 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 ladder guy that doesn't have a ladder truck. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. So uh, I'm I'm big on anything that'll put out water. Um. I've gotten into this big argument. Um, I like Elkhart's uh, product. That's a big one that everybody's starting to swing forward. I don't know about you guys, but at least on the East Coast, I can vouch for that. Um, we keep getting the uh, breakaway nozzles. Everybody wants to break away to either 15, 16 or one inch, which I'm all about. But the thing is, is I'm like, we're not going to break them away. I mean, there, there are some rare occasions that we will. I'm not saying that you shouldn't know the skill and you shouldn't understand your flow and everything like that. But we're getting low flow nozzles with you know high GPM and, you know, we're accomplishing the same task. But if you're going to go smooth board, just go full smooth board. And if you're going to go fog nozzle, buy a fog nozzle. <laughs> like, just keep, the, you know, with that. Now, if we talk about automatic nozzles. from all over the place. I'm just, I'm on it. I'm on it. I don't have got shitty Wi-Fi today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, if we talk about automatic nozzles, yeah, they get a bad rep. But the thing is, is I'm getting my ass kicked and I get more pressure to that nozzle, we know that I'm going to get a very wide range of GPM. Um, the same thing with Elkhart. Elkhart says the same thing. It's like, it's an orifice. If you add more pressure to it, you're going to get a bigger GPM. Um, I'm more on the fixed gallonage. Um, I think that you're going to get your more bang for your butt, buck, and you're going to understand what's going on. Um, only thing is with fixed gallonage, um, I really push for my guys to know the actual GPM per second. I know I'm being a kind of a professor for that. But the thing is, is are we really flowing for a minute? No, nah, we're not. We're just, we're, you know, we're flowing for maybe 10 seconds a second. So with that thick scoundage, I know exactly what I've got. Uh, we run big, uh, what is it, 75, 150s. So I know with that 150, um, I'm flowing 2.5 seconds. I mean, 2.5 gallons per second. And then if I've got like, you know, somebody that's like shapes and colors like I am, I'm like, hey, man, think about a water can shooting out every second. And they're like, oh, that's cool. And then we kind of just carry that over. Instead of with an automatic nozzle, I'm like, I don't know. Just go for it. Someone else can talk now. Good. That was a lot coming from the truck company. Guru. Uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, <laughs> I got one quote. Eric is still listening. Eric Thiel. Uh, Smoothbore seven eights from him. Uh, Tyler, smoothbore or uh, fog nozzle or, or anywhere in between. I personally don't have a preference. I'll use whatever I have available to me. But if I had a choice going into a house fire, I'd go smooth board. Seven eighths. Turner. Um, personally, I don't. I don't have a big preference. But if you're going to be a smooth board person, I have a good reason why. Um, I. Yeah, honestly, I don't have a preference either way. Um, I know there's a lot of argument for smooth boards, like I said. Again, be able to defend uh, your reasoning. Um, as long as water comes out at the end of it and it's an adequate flow. Pros, pros and cons to everything. Yep, for sure. Um, looking for something that's going to put fire out at adequate rate that won't. Chad? Sorry. Um, smooth board to the door. Smooth board to the door, is that what you said? Nice. Yeah, smooth bore over combination. Tony? Every day. 
I'm going to disagree with my captain and say combination nozzle. I think uh, what it what it lacks in penetration, it uh, makes up for in versatility. If I want to vent a room, uh, if I want to provide a water curtain or uh, be able to uh, protect another crew without knocking their shit all around on them, uh, I can put a uh, medium fog pattern on somebody and uh, not knock them across the room. But I like the the versatility of a smoothbore or of a uh, combination nozzle. Matt Kaminsky, I don't know that I care enough to be honest. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, water on the fire is water on the fire. Sure, like Daniel said, you can you can make an argument for anything, and there's pros and cons as long as you have legitimate reasons. But I mean. I, I know in some houses you go to, like the short bank will put the combo on, the long bank to put the smoothbore on. I, I don't know that I care enough. Mike Lord? <laughs> Whatever I grab. That's, I, I mean, honestly. Sounds I like mean, you're, you're past dating life. <laughs> <laughs> right. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, you know? <laughs> um, no, I... If if I had to jump off the truck and pick whatever, I'd go smoothboard just because it's got. I'm not gonna work as hard, you know. And that's not uh, usually a problem for you, is it? No, I mean it's it's pretty smooth, and I don't work that hard. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it just I would grab. That would be my preferred thing to grab. But uh, like everybody else is saying, water on the fire is water on the fire. I just my thing is, is I'm sometimes, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. Sometimes I've bumped my fog nozzle and it, when I get into the fire, I kind of get focused and forget to check and see which way it's turned. So I have steamed myself. Um, but thank you for I, using the word turn. Yep. Turn. Um, we're getting turned up. Um, but yeah, smooth bore would be my per preference. I agree. Combination. John? Tony and I are from the same area. You can tell I go with a combination too because I do like the versatility and the capabilities it brings. Kevin? Jumping on the same bandwagon, I agree with what, everything that Tony said. Now, that the other split part of that is I don't have a lot of experience using a smooth board. Um, none of the departments I've ran with have ever, we've always carried combination nozzles so that's what my comfortability and my what i'm used to i'm not adverse to a smoothbore i just don't have a whole lot of time with it so i'm going to pick a, a combination nozzle because i know the performance of it mm -hmm. jason combination because like kevin i'm not really familiar with the smoothbore okay. um i used to be on the smoothbore band smoothbore bandwagon of course smoothbore for high rises i'd prefer highly prefer smoothbore for the two and a half um just for for the sake of nozzle pressure um the uh i do i have used the breakaways because we do have breakaway nozzles um <clears throat> i don't think the stream is as as good as weird as that is to say i feel like you lose some of the penetration that you get with a straight smoothbore so i agree with you ben that if we're going to do smoothbore we might as well do smoothbore legit um, so most of the time now I just leave a combo. Um, I will say like, 
I, I have seen that it's possible to, you know, open, not that we do half bail very often, but if you want, like, if you're spraying, if you have to spray somebody down or something like that, for whatever reason, you know, half nozzle has a similar effect to the fog nozzle. And then um, with ventilation, I found that if you're doing circles that entrains enough air that you're still doing hydraulic ventilation. So I think there's some flexibility there more than the smooth board gets a lot of credit for, but I think, especially in our area, it seems like the combination is the go-to. And so that familiarity becomes a huge part of it. If you already know what to expect, you're good to go. I think the big thing is whatever you take, let your driver know, <laughs> or if you change it, let your driver know. So you're not getting your butt kicked or not getting enough, depending on what they think you took. So um, I do not claim to be an engine guru. Um, and that's not my forte. So next question is engine work or truck work? Tyler, regardless if you have a ladder truck, cause that doesn't really matter. What, what work do you prefer to do? Engine work, go inside, put the fire out. Ben, <laughs> practically rhetorical here. Um, so I'm big on inside truck work. Mm -hmm. um, even though I'm the ladder guy, the reason I do ladders is so I can go inside <laughs> so quickly. Um, but like search, um, opening it up, searching in front of the hose team, um, depending on how you operate, having a doorman, because um, the engine company doesn't know how to, you know, work a Halligan bar. Um, but I mean, of course, I where's on the on switch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, with an engine company, if you know what you're doing. But uh, truck work, if it's inside truck work, I'm not big on standing outside and cutting a hole. Like I think mm. that's pretty boring chad engine work tony engine mike lord i'm with ben i'm with ben inside truck work turner turner gone turner back turner on the phone all right we'll come back to turner uh matt kaminsky He's ordering pizza right now. Oh, gotcha. Engine for sure. All right. Mike Green? Can you repeat the question? You broke up. Uh, engine work or truck work? Engine. John? Truck. Nice. Kevin? Let's see if we get some discrepancy here between the nut McNuts. Don't give a shit. It's all got to get done. Ah. You don't have a preference of which one you prefer to do, though? <clears throat> We don't get 30 fires a year. <laughs> okay, but in training, even training is more fun one for the other, depending on which one you're into. No, because I like breaking shit as a truck company, but I like lighting shit on fire as an engine company. So, And it's amazing you guys don't get 30 fires a year if you're lighting shit on fire Boy, on your engine company. company light shit on fire. <laughs> You've never been to White House. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. kidding. What a twist. There goes my job. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jason? <laughs> Engine. Nice. I, I am kind of on the page with Ben and Mike. I, I'll get even more specific. Like, I, I like the engine stuff, um, but I much prefer the outside vent position, um, which we don't usually use that phrase here. But, but I love throwing ladders. I love getting in and doing the, the truck work inside. Um, I don't like being tied to a hose if I don't have to be. And uh, Eric Thiel posted either as long as it's not the medic unit, LOL, um, or the med unit. And uh, and that's where I'm like, I'm okay with being at a medic unit because 
that means if we're just utility players, depending on what department I'm on or, or depending on what we're what we're pulling up on or if we jumped it and we're not really assigned with a, an engine company, we can end up doing search on the medic unit. So sometimes it's finding the silver lining of the big red box. That's a good point there. I uh, wanted to say medic, but I didn't want to get the EMS shit. So no, you're fine. I, I prefer EMS it because of that reason right there. Um, you're not dedicated to something. You are... Hey, the two medic guys come over here and do this. I, I love being in the medic and volunteering to do a search. You got two people Literally, for most of our houses. It's fine. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mike's right. I think we've done that a couple of times with Rossford going to mm-hmm. like Perrysburg on the medic unit. You show up you're, and I know we're driving there like, oh man, we're going to be rehab, but then end up there like, you guys are going to be searched. And we're like, heck yeah, let's go. Well, and you're not supposed to be driving. How many times have we had this talk since that auto aid started? People thinking that you're going there is you're going there as EMS in case you have a firefighter or more importantly, first a civilian. But like Look. trying to defeat that rehab mentality. Oh, I hate that. Go there expecting to do something. Not you. I know you do. That's why you're here. That's why you teach with me. But like some people just think, oh, we're the EMS crew going to the structure fire. We're just going to be rehab. No, you might have to throw a ladder because somebody's jumping out the damn window. Uh, Kaminsky, I think I talked over you at some point. Did you have a thing to chime in with? No, I was just uh, reiterating the EMS gets you picked phrase for this group. The the EMS what? Gets you picked. Oh, kicked. You know what? No, we don't. As much as I, as much as we joke, I mean, I I liked hearing Ben say it too. We do have more sick people than we have fires, um, and and most of us are doing both. So, you know, I don't think there's going to be a night that we're going to be talking about cabinography for two hours, but also the idea of bringing up medic units doesn't turn me off because again, there's some cool stuff you can do with medic units going to fires that you can get away with if you're willing to volunteer for a, uh, for an assignment. <laughs> so, you know, there are benefits. You just have to find the benefits, Mike. So yeah, you guys should check out this waveform of capnography. I got the other day <laughs> <laughs> and you're kicked. Uh, <laughs> you, you can you can always bring Josh on. And you can talk about having a transporting engine again. You know, different. and that we still haven't gotten Kelly on board with that. I don't think. I think he's still trying to persuade him. But we'll see. We still have time. We have plenty of time. Yeah, I'm a I'm a capnography nerd, so um, I could talk about it for two hours. Are you really? Right. Yes. You learned. Did, did your wife just day. yell "lame" in the background? Yeah, because she has no idea what it is. No. I love her. She's so great. I think she shot shot the fuck. I can't talk now. Dog's class. She's a certain Perrysburg uh, city uh, employee taught a capnography class at our station. Got it. Um. Yeah. And and hey, that's some people's thing, and that's awesome. I just don't think we could do two hours on it here. But if you guys want to, I'll just have somebody guest host um speaking of that mike is guest hosting next week no i'm not yes you are no i'm not yeah well you are all right next week we're talking about pushing fire uncle tony (laughs) (laughs) i had to bite the bullet on that so uh i actually had to apologize on that because i was i was taught in toledo fire academy in 2000 you're pushing fire you're gonna lobster people and everything else Mm -hmm. and then i did a little bit of research and the ul laboratories have basically said that's a bunch of old school unproven bullshit that's the day the day uncle tony apologized for that was the day i 
decided when I grow up, I want to be just like Uncle Tony. <laughs> oh, that was taught for years. I mean, when I yeah. first started back in 96, that was the, one of the things, oh my God, don't ever do that. You can push that fire. How much of that do you think has gotten um, misconstrued with the idea of air entrainment and like we can still move superheated gases around the house and that's still bad for our, our citizens. Maybe not so bad for us because we're protected, but I, I guess I feel like we've kind of lost that part of it in the sense that we've, we focus so much on, you can't push fire, but we, we then have kind of ignored the effects that, that moving things around can have on our victims. Does well, that make sense? But have the, we, because we concentrate on flow paths too. And we and do, the point but of, well, we still have point, inversion too. The point of the UL laboratory study was that uh, ultimately our number one job is, victim rescue so uh you have a patient that's in effect in a broiler and it's 500 degrees and so you're going to apply water to it any reduction in temperature is to benefit the patient uh, waiting 20 seconds till you can advance down a hall or see the seat of the fire etc uh, is just more time that person is in that superheated environment more chance of a flashover uh, that anything you do that reduces that interior temperature is can do nothing but benefit the patient. So, uh, yeah, they might get burned. Yeah, you might have different products of combustion if because they pointed out the whole steam uh, or water to steam ratio is one cup of water to 1,700 cups of volume-wise steam, that it, it converts that quickly. So you're going to send a dissipated heat throughout the structure. Um, but you are eventually, or what you're ultimately trying to do is cool the compartment where you have a, uh, possible victim or, uh, an opportunity to rescue somebody. Uh, you can only make it better. Ben, did you have, you were talking about inversion? Yeah, well, just, we have to remember our application of water. Um, I know a big thing we were talking about at the firehouse the other day. Uh, was actually uh, how we read smoke. Um, everybody talks about reading smoke if we know we have our uh, low pressure in, high pressure out, if we will. Um, telling if we have a closed door, open door, however that may be, right? Unidirectional flow, bidirectional flow, everything like that. That still applies to our fire itself. Because um, we all know that smoke is incomplete combustion. All it is is just carbon waiting to light off once it finds that correct mixture, which I don't need to preach about, you know, the wonderful fire tetrahedron triangle circle, square, whatever you guys may use, but, um, rhombus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Octagon. Yeah. The hexagon. That's my favorite, um, <laughs> shapes and colors. But anyways, <laughs> with that being said, um, I can take that benefit from looking at that fire itself. And we know it's self vented and it's starting to lift out anyway. The big prevention that we were trying to do with that is everybody talks about all, oh, you know, extension up, extension up. Okay. Okay. Cool, man. If it goes up, like I got hooks, I got ladders, we can go to the next floor. We can do that. Um, I think fast water is a good thing too. Um, I've talked to a few guys from UL. Um, they're saying it's fantastic. It's, I don't disagree with UL. I think they're doing fantastic things. I think we're making a safer environment for us and the victims, but every scenario is the same. So if they do lab experiment number 22, they're like, hey, you guys are on this line. We're going to this room. Here's a blueprint of this room. Here's a hose line advancement of that. So it's a constant study. There's a lot of variables into it, and I'm not the guy to kind of really deep dive into it because I guarantee somebody ripped me apart. And there's some things I think that fast waters are best move. 
Um, talking about moving fire, I believe we can move products of combustion. I don't think we can move flame itself. And then when we were talking about water earlier, water on the fire is definitely going to make a better result. Am I going to have steam conversion? Absolutely. How do I rent steam conversion? More water. It's like if I have a hot skillet and I take, you know, a drop of water and it's just going to keep steaming, steaming. But I take the hot skillet and dunk it in a gallon bucket water, you know, or five gallon bucket, it's going to sizzle out real quick. Um, but I'm big on getting a hose line in and getting it in between a victim. Um, I feel like that if I do an inverted U down a hallway using a straight stream smooth bore, whatever you want to use, um, I'm definitely going to have that push of away from the victim. Um, I get this cool outfit, so I'm going to try to use it as much as I can. Um, and that's it, because bye, bye, bye. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> can, can I just ask? Double finger guns. I just have to ask, Ben, you're not actually putting a skillet in a gallon bucket of water, because like that's how you ruin your pans, and I'm – I don't like ruined pants. You're down here, stick man. Just duck them in the water. <laughs> oh, oh God, that I just that hurt hearing that. I was like, please, <laughs> no, cast iron just right in there. I'd cry. Sorry. No, it's just an example. Like uh, everybody talks about steam conversion, but we understand that we have to apply water, copious amounts of water. Like my uh, my man was saying here to have that effect of having a cooler environment. Um, do I want to mess up with that e exhaustion port? Not really, but I mean, we know that fire likes to retract from a cooler space. It's going to go path of least resistance. Um, if I add that stream in, yeah, we're going to have an airflow, but we're still adding cool temperature to that. You're going to have fire going to be like, oh, okay, I want to go for a different second there for a little bit. So if I had somebody out in the hallway, I don't really want to make that judgment of being like, eh, you know what I mean? I really look at a, uh, well, our big thing is transitional attack. Um, I'm going to use a transitional attack if I can't make it. Um, but we understand that that's transitioning into a building or transitioning away from a building. Um, our big thing was blitz attack for a little bit. It's all in the jargon of what you want to use, but I'm definitely going to, once again, try to get a hose line between that victim and the fire safely in a manner if I can do so. Um, talking about hose lines, flow more water now. Da, 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 da. Well, da, da, da. let's go to the next one. <laughs> I, well, I, th I, I want to hit the transitional attack thing real quick. Cause, cause I, you know, I know we, we were rapid fire originally, but to take a little more time with this. So I, there, the one, uh, almost semantics of it that I, that I do like to hit is transitional is not a mode, right? We have offensive and defensive. We have those two and that's it. So you can't, you can't, you, yes, you can transition between offensive and defensive, but transitional attack is a tactic, not a strategy and offensive or defensive are, are only two strategies. Um, and so I like it as a tactic in, in, in pretty much exactly what you said, Ben, if, if we're not going to make it because, you know, if it's hoarder conditions or if it's, you know, it's so cut up, we can't find a way in that's going to be our typical 10, 15, 20 seconds through the house, find the room, right. Uh, for like a, a small, you know, 30 by 30 house. Um, because I just feel like same thing, getting the line in is important. And the other takeaway, uh, and, and we had this happen where we had a, uh, fire six in the morning. It was our rookie, great rookie a dude. I've known since fire class that I wish had gotten on the department sooner. Cause he's fantastic. He was on the line. We parked the medic unit, you know, 10 houses away, but the, we had a relief officer in and uh, she wasn't necessarily expecting us to move as quickly as we did to the house. <laughs> so she, she kind of said like, after the fact, like she would have had him hold off more than I believe 
um, on the transitional, if she had realized how quickly we might, me and my partner were going to get, because we had three men engine at the time or three person engine, three, uh, two person medic units. So five total. So we're booking it down to this house report of a person still inside. Cause she went in to get the dog and no, no more answer, uh, or no more info from, from dispatch. <clears throat> so he transitions it. Well, now we go in the front door and partially my mistake I, after I started hearing my brother moves ahead of the line, you know, leaving, Granted, now we have six person engine companies, so we got a little more, a little more staffing, but I was behind him on the line. It took us a while to get back to that room and we're half expecting to find her. You know, I did a sweep at the door as he's transitioning. So at least if she's right there, we got her. Um, I did my, my snow angel came back out door control until he got the line around. We go in and now we can't see shit because we've completely knocked the fire down until it starts building back up again, because of course it will, we're not going to get full knockdown even from a, it was division one. It was a one and a half story. Uh, no, it was a one story with an attic and um, unfinished attic. And uh, so we now we're making our way to the room. We can't see anything. You know, we could do life fire layout under the smoke and at least see if she's between us and the doorway and go right to her, get her out. And and I realized there's a cost benefit to that. Right. There's the cost of her being in that fire a little longer versus seeing her and quickly getting her out, um, you know, and, and it's a crappy situation. But that's where. Like you said, Ben, if it's if we're going to be delayed because, you know, we can't find the right door or the door is blocked by something and it's going to be a prolonged, you know, uh, forcible entry situation or it's hoarder conditions or we're just looking at this thing going, how the hell do we get there? And we can make a difference. And we know that second new engine can go make it a push shortly behind us. I'm all for it. But other than that, I feel like situational dependent. I'm not saying by any stretch this is a this is this is anything more than a case by case basis, but. I, I prefer to maintain the visibility knowing that the temperatures at floor level where that victim's most likely to be are still probably tenable. Um, and if they're already down, we're already working against the clock. I'd rather get in there, get them out quickly and be able to see them to do that than make it harder for us to find them and push in the house. So um, now my opinions on shit changes all the time. So if anybody has a different opinion on that, please speak up because if we don't change our opinions, uh, like Tony gave a great example, like, you know, if somebody challenges your opinion, you're like, Oh shit, you know, that does make more sense. So if I'm wrong, please tell me if there's, if there's a flaw in my logic. Um, no, visibility is a huge thing to bring up. I mean, you, you, as soon as we add water, it's going to be blacked out. And like we're talking about inversion, all that fun stuff. I mean, talking about steam itself, that's a vapor. It's going to fill that compartment. And of course it's heavier. It's going to hit it and it's going to pressurize a room and we know it's going to come all the way down. Of course, it's going to dissipate as it goes throughout the house, but still, we're going to have zero visibility using that light. And once again, fire doesn't like to snuff itself out. It's got to have that low pressure coming in, high pressure coming out. It's got to have that draw somewhere. It's going to try to bubble it out no matter what. Now, we're going to make flow paths as we come in. Absolutely. But once again, we add water in, pressurize that room. It's going to push down. We're not going to see. Good good talking about the visibility. That You know, that's the one Truly, that is the one thing that makes me speak out against transitional attack as, as the mentality that some have developed, that that is an every fire move. I'm for it as a, you know, you got two people on the engine and you got to do something, do something, sure. But I'd still almost rather commit that person to go in and search the tenable areas first, then come back out and, and get a line. You know, I, that's just me though. I, I'd rather, again, I'd rather let the house burn down after searching where we can get in and search, not determining from the outside, but determining from the inside where we can search, get in, do your search, get out and then regroup because you're going to move faster without the line. Turner. 
I know. Um, I don't know if um, Ben had mentioned this, but I know an issue that we face, um, especially in the Northern Virginia area, is um, outside in fires. So um, there are fires that start in the outside of the building, like the rear porch. Ben, you already talked about this. No, no, no. But that, I know what okay. you're talking about. Like, um, yeah. The idiots that, that grill and push their grill up against the dinosaur plastic, the petroleum, yeah, sure. their house is wrapped in petroleum. Yeah, I yeah, always, I then, always joke that it's wrapped in dinosaurs because it's basically what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And then porch the outside of the house. So I know we talked a little bit about Metro um, Port Fire that was in Leesburg. That was an outside in fire. It was mm -hmm. the rear deck that caught fire due to discarded cigarette, caught the rear deck, yes. caught the outside of the house, broke the attic space. Um, if we don't address that outside fire, and it's kind of transitional, if you don't address that outside fire, you're not going to put the fire on the inside. I don't think that's uh, transitional, though. I think that's extinguishing the seat of the fire. You're extinguishing the area. Extinguishing you're the extinguishing the source. Going inside and, and taking care of the rest of it. True, but I think transitional attack in its um, in its intent is quick water on, like the 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 maybe it's not by definition, but by the way it's being used is quick water mm -hmm. to the interior from. Typically, the exterior is where we hear it, even though it's from whatever whatever space is easier, whatever. I, I know that they count interior in that when they're writing. Yeah, the, the I, I, but I you have to put out the sea of the fire, and if the sea of the fire is extending, then then I wouldn't consider that transitional attack. I'd consider that the need for the first line. That's like that's like saying uh, putting out the garage first is you know your your first line goes to the garage, your second line goes in to protect the house. I wouldn't call that a transitional attack even though you're fighting the garage fire from the outside, then pushing in, that's an offensive attack to the seat of the fire to prevent further spread because yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to knock down the source. I, I think those are two different categories and I'm not trying to be nitpicky. Um, I would just, it would be confusing to me to hear somebody call that transitional attack because you're not putting water through a window, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I get, I get what you're saying there. Uh, I guess my thought process is like at some point, you know, if it is extending up the back side of the house, you'll be dumping water into the second floor, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally, you know, wherever the fire broke through into the house, um, you know, if it's getting into the soffit or whatever, you, yeah. you know, you'd be dumping water into the, into the soffit. And then you um, got to worry, see, worry about where your interior crews are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've had that happen yeah. too, or I've, I've heard that about that happening other places. Um, and I get, I get what you're saying with that. Um, is, is, is why well. it makes it. And Ben? Yeah, uh, just to, I don't, I mean, a uh, big thing that we got in a big argument of when transition, uh, transitional attacks came or hitting it hard from the yard, whatever you want to call it, that the hose line came up and it hit the ceiling and then it ping pong straight back down, which yep. <laughs> UL was like, hold up. We got, and UL did a great study. They did water mapping. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big thing I had to get into like an argument with a bunch of people about was it, it hits the ceiling and it sprinkles down i'm like i can stay in a room and you could spray over top of my head and you probably won't get me wet there's a famous video of ray mccormick doing it and all that fun stuff but that means like when i go wash my fire truck then when i spray it it's going to be like a laser beam shooting right at my back of my face all that fun stuff that's not the case it's going to hit the surface it's going to travel down or it's going to hit the ceiling and travel across mm -hmm. so yeah we're cooling the atmosphere and cooling the gases to make a better attack for somebody to come in yeah, that's when I'm going to use a transitional attack. I got two companies doing it. Not me doing that. Cool. I cooled it down. Now I got to set back up with the charge line, which is a motherfucker to get it back upstairs and come all the way up there. And now it's just reset the back where it was. I'm like, oh, cool deal. And now my visibility shit. Yeah. 
yeah, the water mapping thing, you know, the surface tension aspect of it just just crawling across the ceiling, you know, and that's why I think people were getting confused that they're thinking it's going to knock down the sea of fire and it doesn't. Yes, you get the cooling from it. You're, you're absolutely right, but you're not getting, you're not getting anything close to knockdown. And if you don't have that second line ready to go, or even, even if it's the same crew, but another line at the front door. Now we got into a going with charge lines every time thing after our line of duty death. And that kind of spread through Northwest Ohio. Um, and I've, I've taken training at other places where they think we're batshit crazy that we do that instead of just managing our hose. Um, because it's easier to move an uncharged line through the majority of the unburned portion of the house. So, you know, that's even something that's working against most of us more here is that we're, we're not going in until that line's charged at the door and that slows us down too. And that, and that was a knee jerk safety reaction to, uh, the line of duty deaths and, and, uh, that's where I think sometimes, um, you know, we have to responsibly weigh the pros and cons of some things and not just go, well, this happened or this could have happened, you know, we need to just, we need to unilaterally change a procedure. I think there's pros and cons, and I think there's benefit to still having flexibility um, and, and putting that trust in your officers to, to make sure their crews know what to expect um, and, and different circumstances. I mean, if you have a, if you have a four story house in, in our, you know, our formerly mansion district back when Toledo was still very small, and that was where the rich people lived. If you've got one of those houses now that's being fixed up, you know, cause that's kind of neighborhood's kind of flipping, you know, and you're taking a charge line in on the first floor and the fire's on the third or fourth, that's, that's a lot of charge line to move. But if you don't do that, there's repercussions. And so I, I, that's where I feel like the, the blanket policies um, can kind of hurt us because then the time that you do decide, Hey, you know what, we are going to take an uncharged line to get to division two to then go up to division three, that's going to be the time that because it's been so long since we've stretched a dry line, it's going to get caught under a door or it's going to get caught around something that it shouldn't because we haven't been doing it. Um, and we haven't been training on it because technically we're not supposed to be doing it. And I think that's the, that's the give and take you get when you do a, a unilateral tactical mandate um, that, that I think could be sometimes unintentionally more dangerous than, than helpful in preventing something down the road. Where's that soapbox at, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> so we got a little under a half hour left. Give me some more uh, hotly debated fire service topics, guys. We got so many more. I just can't think of them. What did uh, what was going on while I was uh, on the phone? Nothing. We were just talking shit about you. Oh, that's the usual. That's cool. What yeah, kind of pizza yeah. did you order? Um, I wish I ordered pizza. Did it have pineapples on it? Yes. Yeah. You son of a bitch. Listen, just because I advanced taste buds and you don't, doesn't mean you're mad about it. Pineapples do not go on pizza. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Yes. Did the ninja did the ninja turtles ever get pineapples on pizza? Oh my god. First of all, Ninja Turtles, awesome. Second of all, there's a new game coming out with the Ninja Turtles in it. That's like a throwback to like the Super NES game. Third of all, Eric Thiel just posted. With an LOL at the end. This one's going to get shitty, I think. Clean cab, Tyler, go. Yay or nay? Let's nope. just do yay or nay first and then talk. All right, no. Ben. Absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck no. Chad. Fuck no. Mike. Lord. 
Never, ever going to happen. Dan Turner. In cabs, don't make crabs. Tony Combs. I think he's on the phone, too. Tony Combs is on the phone. Mike Green. He's on the phone about his Buckeye cold card. No. Uh, I'm interested to hear the fire chief perspective. John McNutt. The idea is great, but in, in theory, I think it's going to take a lot of work to get it figured out. Awesome. Kevin McNutt. What was the question? Uh, clean cabs, yay or nay? It's a great initiative. I just don't think it's feasible. Jason Francis, another chief perspective. Great idea, but it's going to take a long time to get there. I was expecting more variety in these answers. I'm kind of impressed. I, I think there's aspects we can take from it, like um, cabs that we can clean. Easy uh, leather seats instead of cloth seats. You know, we can wipe those down. Pretty That's easy. what Eric Eric just posted. I'm more of a, I, I think it was a typo, but I'm going to translate. I'm more of a clean your cab kind of guy. There you go. Leather seats instead of cloth. Yeah, make it easy to clean. Yeah, something I can just take a freaking pressure washer and blow it out. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dan. I just want to make sure. He he did also post, I just wanted to hear rants. <laughs> um, yeah. Fabrics, more hard surfaces, more non-porous skins. That's going to help. But I mean, you still got your gear, you still got your equipment, and you can try and decon those air packs all you want, um, or whatever those flashlights and everything else mm -hmm. you store in the cab when you get out. Like it's going to be embedded. In and John, your volume's a little low. Not sure what happened there. I could hear you. So you you were saying just agreeing with the idea of uh, less porous surfaces, cleaning off flashlights, cleaning off stuff like that. Oh, okay. Oh, you're still kind of quiet. Huh, okay. I'm not sure what happened. Um, yeah, I obviously, you know, I hate to, to go from this angle because it's not necessarily applicable to everybody. But one of my first questions was, how are we going to do that if there's a pretty good chance we're either going to go to or jump another fire on the way back to the station? Like it doesn't always happen, but when it does, we're going. And now all our gears in a bag in the back of the rig, ignore the, even the SCBA part of it. Now we've got our gear in a bag and we can't do anything else. What if we come across a fire on the way back to the station? Like just on that off chance that now we have to fish through a bag to get our gear and put it back on to go inside and make a grab. Like that just, we should always be prepared unless you've got a second or third set of gear on your rig, which isn't feasible. I just don't get it. Turner. Oh, it's a preference that um, Loudoun County, Virginia is one of the bougiest places on the planet. Um, there's discussion of having, and it sounds like it's definitely going to happen, um, the air unit goes, so we have an air unit in the county mm. um, when near retirement drives it, um, go to every working fire, and then they have um, spare packs and spare cylinders that are on the air unit. So once you're done using your Pretty much once you're done, the whole firefighting operation is done with. You turn over everything that you use, the guy in the air unit, um, and he takes it to a whole sanitizer thing, and he gives you a new pack, basically, that's that's already been cleaned. And then that's his job. I mean, it's pretty unlikely he's going to go to more than one fire for the shift. Um, so that's his job, really, for the rest of the shift. And the guys, you know, when his relief shows up tomorrow, they're going to basically put these packs in the sanitizer. Um, 
I understand we're an anomaly. Uh, not many other places are going to be able to have that that luxury. It's just bougie and loud. Ben? Yeah, um, actually with our guys, um, they're making a big push with it now is uh, we'll call our logistics in. And our logistics warehouse actually has a bag for every single one of our uh, career staff. And it's got a bag full of everything. Um, so that goes to from, you know, head to toe of all your gear. Um, and then what they'll do is uh, command staff will get everybody that's on scene because he's already got the board in front of them. And he'll give a list to that guy. And what he'll do is he'll load up our logistics van and he'll come there and we'll actually package our dirty gear right there on scene. And we get a whole new brand set while we're sitting there. Um, is it still in the working phase? Absolutely. We've had a little bit of hiccups with it. Uh, we've been, you know, sitting a little bit longer on scene than we need to, but anybody exposed to an IDLH atmosphere will get a whole brand new set of gear and they'll send it off for cleaning, which is kind of cool. I mean, we were, we were doing the whole bag and then we drive back to the house, but now we're doing, you know, bag it there. We'll get somebody to bring us a whole new set and then we'll go in service and be ready to go. Our packs aren't getting quite clean. We have to clean them back in quarters, mm-hmm. but I mean, we still get a brand new set and we're ready for the next call. Hmm. Dang, that seems like a lot of work, but Hey, if you're going to commit to it, at least they're doing it right. Um, Dan Dorner. Yeah. Dan clean, clean cabs. Sorry, Mike. I should let you co-host right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm co-hosting. I'm taking over next week. So back off. Like, do I support him? What's, What's your thought? I guess my thought on clean cabs. Yay or nay? Uh, Yay, but not sure. Obviously, anything that can make our situation better, I am for. But the feasibility in a place like this, I'm, I'm not too sure about. Place like what, Dan? The Toledo Fire that you work at? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that would be what I'm referencing. I mean, even as we speak, like oh. this is living quarters and we have racks to turn out here behind me. Where's that at? Uh, the Toledo Fire. Oh, okay. Mike, you've got the next question to debate. Me? Mm-hmm. I just sent it to you in the chat, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, but the next one is how many departments can afford to have two sets of gear so they can launder their gear after each fire? No, it, I 100% like – I was thinking about that as Ben was talking, like I a hundred percent agree with Kevin, like <clears throat> departments, there's some departments that are even struggling to like, you know, so many gear, so many people get new gear a year, you know, they have to pick and choose. And obviously whoever's got the next most likely to expire gear. So for a place to be able to afford multiple sets of gear for somebody, that, that's pretty difficult, you know. But how many grants are out there offered to it, but these departments can't make it because they don't meet the, not the minimum requirements for the grants, but the minimum uh, effort on their end to get their stats up to where they need to be to get set equipment. Like how much of this could be solved by actually – doing the documentation these government entities want so they can give you money for these things. That's true. You know, places. So you're I, playing... I think, I think you there saying... might be like, there might be a side of laziness to it, but, but not everywhere. I'm not blanket coding this, but I know there, there's a few places that say they can't afford it or they have 
one set of turnout gear that's 18 years out, but like, I mean, there's, there's grants out for turnout gear and turnout gear is, is like, it's expensive. You got to get it for all the members, but like that is the most important piece of personal equipment for us. Well, then you get into the, the issue of, you know, especially in the part paid or volunteer departments where you buy somebody a set of turnout gear custom to them and then they leave or then they, they switch departments or, or whatever. And <laughs> it's, it's hard when that's, it is the most important thing, but also it's the most custom thing. Yeah. It would be nice if there's like a return policy where you could return the gear, get a new set of gear for much cheaper and they get to reuse the material. Or, I mean, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but in a sense of that, you'd almost as a department have to do like a, a contract agreement, you know, mm-hmm. hey, if you're going to work here and we get you gear, you know, you have to be here for so long, you know. Um, I don't think they should make fire gear in 7XL, though. That's true. Yeah, I, I think that the idea of seatbelt extensions for an SCBA that should be, they should say defensive or um, exterior on the straps because we ain't dragging them out. Uh, I got three hands up. So we'll go in order. Chad first, then Jason, then Tyler. First of all, knowing you very shortly, Dan, I love you, but the whole grant thing is easier said than done. Um, It is easier said than done. A lot of the grant stuff, or I can say, for instance, for Providence, we get kicked out just because of run volume and the way our uh, levees are set up. Sure. And then echoing off of what Mike said is we're at the point right now where we replace a certain amount of sets of gear every year. It's the person with the, the closest to expiration date or I hate to say it expired um, gear. And we make an investment on some people and some people bail within a couple months or whatnot. And that hurts more than actually buying the gear for somebody. Cause then you got a custom set of gear fit to the person. Jason. Yeah, I was going to say the gear that we use, we use Lion. And uh, when we have somebody leave, that gear can get tailored four sizes, increased four sizes, and decreased four sizes unlimited. No kidding. As long as that, yeah, as long as that gear is within 10 years. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. I no idea. I should have patented my thought. <laughs> Sounds well, like they already had to that I anyway. just had. Well, the branch off of Jason, what uh, it honestly was the first time like it happened to me when I started at White House, they put me in rental gear, mm-hmm. you know, and I was told this is your gear through your probation, you know, which I was like, oh, that's kind of kind of smart. Why tailor gear to me? And then, you know, I might not work out, not saying, you know, anything, but that was just something a place can do you put people in rental gear for a while until you know they're going to stick around before you buy gear for them tyler you had your hand up i mean mike exactly just covered it yeah it can be an extra extra expense but our agency is talking about getting rental gear until someone gets off probation that way if they're not going to work out yeah we're out what we paid to rent the gear 
but we didn't spend 1400 bucks customing set of gear that no one may use in the next 10 years. I think that's, that's interesting what, to hear the difference the cost? between. Oh, to rent. Yeah. For a year. I'm not I don't, terribly I don't sure. know. I do not know what it is for a year, but I'm renting gear for people right now, $110 a month for boots, boots, coat, pants, helmet. So, Side 13, note cheat. <laughs> 13 20 a month or 13 20 a year for that's one person is 110 a month yeah so about at about six six to eight months between that time frame it gets to be non-productive to rent mm-hmm. gear that's i i kind of i like the lion thing being able to go up or down four sizes because you you have enough of a, a reach there i think that you probably have enough people that you could check to see if you can do that with glow beer gear because that would be a lifesaver for us. Yeah, that's fantastic information. Look at the shit we stumble on when we're just yapping. There needs to be gear mortgages. <laughs> there is. There's municipal mm. loans. We White House, we took out one. <laughs> it's like... We spent a hundred hundred and twenty thousand dollars on gear. But that was within our budget. So American? we were paying it off. Yeah, we're paying it off in five years. And I mean that's our what we would be using it for anyways for the next five years Shit, your payments a month are probably the same for my wrangler well uh, the company that we went through says they do that for super super small uh volunteer departments that can't afford you know yeah x number of sets of gear per year they do it over five years ten years and then uh they automatically are able to purchase new gear with it I just have to point out how weird it is for me to hear my brother talk about grants and finances. Doesn't, because it's doesn't not his easy. wife do all the finances? <laughs> I didn't mean it even in that way. I just meant like uh, um, in the sense that it's weird to hear out of the two Dorner brothers, Dan talking about administrative things. <laughs> um, it, it's okay. Dan. It's more I, a comparison I, thing than, uh, than anything about Dan. Cause obviously he, Anyway, Mike uh, or Mike West Wagner posted on an issue with the gear. You change between eight sizes is the weight. The littler guys are wearing that bulky feeling. Uh, one issue with the gear you change between eight sizes is the weight. The littler guys are wearing that bulky feeling. I, I think he's, I think he's trying to say like somebody like Garrett Doherty. Yeah. And then me, you know, I'm like, if I was wearing, his old gear out of providence like yeah here was there it'd be like me putting on his gear now granted i'm a little more buff and stronger than garrett so yeah you can carry the weight is what you're saying yeah yeah uh but no i think that's at that's what i I, i'm picking up yeah i get that now and that's where i think the four sizes thing being able to have it tailored makes a lot more sense than yeah than just hey go pick out some gear off the rack and it's like what the hell this isn't gonna fit me yeah, because that's a safety uh, issue. I, a boat, hey, so. Jason, can you only tailor it once? No, you can tailor it as many times as you want throughout the life of the gear. I mean, as much as you want to pay for it. The gear that we have, it's the same as what Toledo Fire has with the gear of the Lion. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's actually, it's in sections. So if you need to take a, you know, a length off the arms, they'll take it all the way up to like where the... Uh, part of the reflective striping is and then put a smaller part of the sleeve on it and it's pretty cost uh economical too so it doesn't cost it doesn't cost an arm and a leg 
no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. No, we hit, we had a set of gear that, uh, um, one of the guys burnt through, I mean, all the way into the thermal barrier and, uh, they barely charged us anything to repair it. And I mean, it came with a certificate and I mean, it comes straight for the manufacturer too of getting repaired. So it's, it's, it's good to do it that way. Good information to have. Damn. All right. Um, I got to add that to the list of things we talked about. I left, I left Oreos in my pocket from a car accident and a mouse chewed through my pocket at the station to get to those Oreos. And I remember that I think that cost like seven or 800 bucks and my pants were gone for like six months. That's crazy. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) But that mouse was freaking so excited. How many times have we worked together and you had Oreos with you and Uh, didn't tell me? Well, until the mouse got them. You give a mouse a cookie. It's definitely a hard (laughs) one to explain. The pocket was open too. The mouse just chewed through the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when your car got broken into and your doors are unlocked. You just have such bad luck with that. All right, we got seven minutes i got a topic yep shoot uh barrier hoods or normal hoods Ooh. all right Ooh. we'll uh, answer with one word and then we'll uh so barrier or normal and then we'll we'll debate it tyler with or without your helmet <laughs> tyler said normal ben uh normal chad barrier but the one that i picked out for our department gotcha mike lord Normal. Dan Turner. You muted yourself instead of unmuting yourself. Don't care. Dan Turner. Oh, you don't care. I thought you meant you don't care that you unmuted yourself instead of muting yourself. I'm sorry. I I misunderstood. Uh, I got Eric Thiel weighing in normal hood and swap at rehab. Dan Dorner. Um, Either... It's hard, just not first gen barrier. That first gen barrier sucked. The new stuff I like, and the old hoods I like, but that triple layer barrier I dislike. Tony Combs. Still trying to figure out his social security. Mike Green. I don't know the difference or. I guess I haven't heard about this one, so I don't know. Gotcha. Uh, we'll get back to somebody. I'll pop in and explain it here in a second because it is good to cover that when we're debating it. Uh, John McNutt. Barrier. Kevin. Don't care. I'm kind of like what Dan said. As long as it's not the Gen 1. Mm-hmm. Jason? Particulate hoods all the way or else the BWC will be after you. Such a cheap thing to say. Definitely a cheap thing to say. What do you mean the BWC will be after you? Bureau workers comp for those of you who have different phrases in your state. Yeah, because if you got if you're working with a bureau or workman's comp trying to mitigate issues in the cancer initiative, if you uh, don't wear the 
particular hoods and something happens to you, then there's some money that, that your department's going to have to pay. Hmm. How would you answer that if you weren't a chief? Uh, particulate hood, because I mean, if, if you're trying to do cancer initiative stuff, you might as well play the game. Now, Jason, does that just mean that you as a department have to issue them? Like, do you still allow your members to wear their own hoods? No, we issue our, we issue our members all the equipment. And then, but there's no personal equipment allowed? No. Okay. So the, the question Eric asked is the same question I had. So even with the cancer presumption legislation, you, that how how does that because here's what i i've called bwc before we had a we had a question that came up in an after action report if you get hit by a car and you aren't wearing a reflective vest on a scene does that mean you don't get money from bureau of workers comp and the attorney from workers comp of course sidestepped the question and basically said listen i can't give you specific guidance on that like i can't hypothetically answer anything but i can tell you that usually when someone gets hurt it's because they did something wrong it's because they didn't have the right equipment on or they didn't do something right. Like otherwise nobody would have gotten hurt. So by default, no, if you, if you aren't doing something that could have protected you, that doesn't necessarily like 100% mean, you know, you're not going to get money for it, but you're saying there's a cost on the department side, Jason. Well, through perp, perp, Gotta go. the, pu- the public employee side of it, Got it. with the BWC. Okay. They're the ones because they follow NFPA. The enforcement side. The enforcement side. Gotcha. So fire departments don't fall under OSHA unless it's under um, respiratory fit protection, Mm -hmm. ladders, and I forget there's one more. But um, PERP has 90 days to implement OSHA policies when they come out. And PERP is the one that messes or that's involved with uh, fire departments. Okay. Um, and can somebody, uh, just to get us all on the same page, explain the difference between the hoods? Normal there, or? There's a barrier layer in between the two layers of fabric, usually a Nomex blend or whatnot. And that barrier layer, layer will uh, um, basically, I don't want to say blocks, inhibits um, carcinogens reaching the face where the protective areas of the hood cover. Best way to explain it is think of it like your turnout jacket. It's got the vapor barrier inside. And, but so do our pants and we still have, and I can't imagine that all the testicular cancer is because we don't wash our hands before we pee, but I'm no scientist, so. Well, um, have you seen the new gear they've come out with now though? I believe it's Lion makes, it's called their red line gear. It actually has elastic cuffs in the bottoms of the pants. No um, kidding. Yes. I actually bought some when I was up in Alaska because I had two firefighters go down in a fire and it was something that was absorbed through their hoods. We, we had regular hoods back then. Oh, damn. And uh, OSHA tried telling me that it was because the guys didn't have their mask on correctly. And it, that was crap. Um, they were wearing it fine, but we had a fire in an aircraft hangar. And it had pretty much snuffed itself out because it was sealed so tight with that spray-in insulation mm-hmm. polyseal foam stuff. Um, but there was a flicker going on. And so when the guys made entry, they went up into a, a kind of an elevated space and they were overcome. They started calling for Mayday, trying to get out of the building. One of them collapsed. 
Um, we removed him out. Another one came out, started puking right away. So we went into, of course, the Mayday writ roll, got everybody mm-hmm. out, opened the building up. Well, one of the, my lieutenants went up to ventilate the, the upstairs area of the window. And he was completely geared up, mask on, everything else. He uh, hit the window. Nothing happened. The axe actually bounced off the window because there was that much pressure. Hit it again. It vented. And he said, as soon as he came down, he goes, when it, the air rushed out, he goes, I could taste something in my mask because it was so concentrated. We don't know what it was. And so I'm still convinced that whatever was in there, when those guys were searching for the fire, it absorbed through the gear and through their hoods Jeez. into them because they had to go to the hospital. They stayed overnight. Uh, we were calling all types of specialists, trying to get information. Uh, we had to find a certain medication to give them. Um, it turned into a big disaster. I've got the report here in my bag. Um, the uh, fire chief from the neighboring community, who was the lieutenant I had at the time, mm-hmm. um, gave me a copy of the report from that call. Damn. Um, is that... Damn. Okay. I was gonna say maybe we could pick that up next week if you're uh, if you're gonna be on and get some more details on that because that is a fascinating thing that I hadn't heard about. Or maybe yeah, we I could. Should... Oh, go on. I I should be on, but if you want to get a hold of me offline and we can try and see what I can dig up and pull together. Yeah, I was gonna say do... maybe we could do the first one on one and and post that because that'd be a great one to hear about. Cause that is the first I've heard of anything like that. And damn, that's something that people should know about. Cause what the hell? Yeah, no shit. Yeah. So, what we would learn is what was supposed to happen. This insulation is supposed to be sprayed in and then covered with drywall mm-hmm. uh, for protection. Well, the, what happened, of course, cheap ass Alaskans um, sprayed it, never covered it. And so it was open and exposed to the elements and just it, it, the whole inside of the building, once we ventilated and never got a chance to really inspect it was completely black. You could see where everything had pretty much snuffed itself out um, until, of course, we opened the door to go in and then gave it the rush of air to kind of light mm-hmm. back up again. But, uh, yeah, it was to this day, I, I still they, they try telling me it was a malfunction of the guys wearing their mask, but I know darn well it wasn't. Yeah. And Chad, you have your hand up. Yeah, it was just on uh, Globe's website and it was an article I ran across recently about PFAS. And our turnout gear, which is actually a, a cancer causing carcinogen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just on Globe's website trying to see if they did that tailoring thing that uh, Jason was talking about. And right on their front page, it says new PFASS, PFAS free outer shell materials are now available. Well, and that all started with the firefighter's wife uh, in Massachusetts, if I'm correct. Um, and uh, she's got a Facebook page and she started that cause her husband had cancer and she started a whole push. Um, there's a, a link to Notre Dame's study at the bottom. That was the first one that was done at that level. And yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that got me with the clean cabs is that was a big push for, you know, the rigs and it's like, well, shit, this stuff is in our gear. And, and that's where I had always kind of wondered, and this isn't, you know, this was never meant as a bashing thing, but you look at like, Toledo fire where we do 400 working fires a year in the city. And then you look at some of these smaller departments that don't do the same number of fires, but the cancer rates are high in both of them. So it can't necessarily be the products of combustion, right? Just by, just by common sense, it can't be the fact that you're going to a bunch of fires because even, even in Toledo, again, my gear has been sitting on a life squad for a year, but putting on that gear for an EMS run or an injury accident or having it in the station, like 
and now obviously it's not in the living areas and things like that, but it's like, what was that missing connection? And then, I mean, man, and that deserves more conversation. So, you know what, let's, let's talk about that. Let's start with that next week. Um, and, uh, oh, wait, I can't Mike, pick what we're doing next week. I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Mike, what are we doing next week? What ideas ne- do you have next week? We're just gonna, we're, we're just gonna talk. We're going to talk about life. Um, <laughs> I want to. I want to get. I'm going to be listening better. on my drive back from my vacation. Yeah, I want to. I can't I wanna, wait to hear. How I want to get to know everybody better. Um, we're gonna. We're gonna talk about what kind of foods we like. Um, maybe, so, Mike, we're expecting nobody for the Mike and Chad show next I week. I mean, you know what? That's fine. If it's just me and you, Chad, we'll talk. Um, hopefully, Ben shows up with that sweet stash. Um, if anything, we'll all just question uh kevin mcnutt about just his life experience uh maybe he can teach us a thing or two um honestly i don't very short time huh i i'll give you your normal 10 minutes because i know that's all you've got and everything so um you won't need a soapbox next week kevin no i have no idea I, I I don't. So if you do have any ideas, you <laughs> can post on stand on. <laughs> if you do have any ideas, just post it on Facebook or uh, email us, and I can pass them along to Mike. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a little after ten o'clock. We'll call it here. Great rapid fire questions, and you know what? I'm the one thing I'm shocked about, and maybe it's because it's a like minded group. We had a little bit of debate, a little bit of a little bit of back and forth, and different perspectives. But all in all. We're kind of all on the same, we're reading at least in the same chapter on a lot of this stuff. And it's interesting that it's not even, I think that was a gunshot. Um, is it a picture? Is this not a picture book? <laughs> it's not even, it is, of course. It's a okay, pop-up thank book. You. Thank but you. But it's not even, I don't think that, you know, it's just a bunch of us that like the same things or have the same perspectives. I think it's the fact that we all were able to kind of cite different sources or experiences or, you know, a mix of those things to justify what we were choosing to, to believe in or support or, or in the instance of like smoothbore versus fog stream, you know, or, or, or nozzle rather, um, you know, just some people were just like, I don't care. And that that's fine. You know, we don't all have to be gurus of, of everything that we do in the fire service and, and have a necessary answer for everything, as long as we can get the job done. So I think it was kind of refreshing that we could have so many of these hot button topics and yet still keep it civil and be able to justify our reasoning. So like I always say pros and cons of everything we do, there's no freaking right answer in the fire service. That's for sure. So uh, any final thoughts before we go tonight? Uh, Uncle Tony, did you get your Buckeye gold card figured out there? I'm actually uh, studying for a promotional interview on Tuesday. Oh, so, I just, I just uh, saw you were on the phone, figured that was. I'm actually in bed. This is, I'm in the boom, boom room right now. Oh, so, oh, oh. See the, the mirrored headboard. And all that. <laughs> Let's take a look at the ceiling. Uh, it's mirrored. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. <laughs> the whole room's mirrors. People, the, people uh, listening on the podcast are going, are you <laughs> there's serious? This, Head we have head. a separate room for the OnlyFans set. <laughs> oh my god! And that's how I'm, we're going to end it tonight. <laughs> ben just turned his lights uh, off. Uncle Uncle Tony, good luck on your promotion. Good luck, Tony. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Sorry, I jumped in late. And, oh, you're uh, fine, Mike. If you're hosting next week, I am at least listening for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
thanks everybody for being here. Thanks for the input. Always a pleasure to have all of you um, from all over the country. It's freaking awesome that we can do this. So you guys are great. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Well, Mike will. <laughs>